I'm Wayne, and this is my Iron Maiden podcast, sponsored by Vimto. Food to drink, still all sparkling, available across the world, except in Texas. On these shows, I look at the songs of Iron Maiden, and what they meant to me growing up as a boy in 1980s Birmingham. We also reflect on them now, as an adult, and see if my tastes and opinions have changed. On this episode, I'm looking at the song Revelations, which is track two on the Peace of Mind album. Now previously to this, I've been looking at the second tracks on albums, and I've said that I believe that Revelations might be the weakest of the track twos on the 1980s albums. This got me a bit of abuse online. I was labelled deaf as a Jaffa cake, which reminded me of taunts from my past, where I've been called anything from oxymoron to dummy, and I didn't like this. However, some people have rushed to my defence and also declared it's quite a difficult task to rank the number two songs on those albums. Some people have said that Wasted Years is not a song they particularly like, which seems outrageous. Uncle Steve said that Two Minutes to Midnight might be his least favourite second track from the 1980s albums. In all cases, I don't think people dislike those songs. It's just that it's such a good range of songs to choose from, so it's difficult to rank them. Therefore, I declare now that I don't dislike Revelations, and don't dislike is a double negative, which means, as Trevor might say, I like it. On last week's show, I looked at Where Eagles Dare, which was an excellent album opener, and I think any song following that would suffer a bit. I also mentioned The Inner Sleeve, and Corky tweeted about this, and was grateful for my detail about the Sunday dinner scene. He noted that I mentioned the wine, the beer, and even the cutlery, but he actually seemed confused that I hadn't mentioned the fact that the band looked quite apprehensive about being served up a brain. Now, I did mention the vegetables on that platter, and as a boy, I didn't know what a brain looked like. I probably thought it was a large cauliflower. But yeah, I apologise for not mentioning the full detail. I hope to go into a lot more detail about that picture and the overall artwork on the album review show in about two months' time. But I had to mention this scene, just because it was my first impression of Nico, the drummer, who was sat there. Anyway, thanks for your tweet. Following on then from Where Eagles Dare is Revelations, which opens with the same meaty guitar sound that I mentioned in track one. This term, meat and gravy guitar sound, hasn't been picked up yet by music journalists, but I imagine it soon will be. In addition to this meaty guitar sound in the intro, there's this rinky-dink cymbal sound, a bit like bells, that's quite interesting. And obviously, this is Nico McBrain demonstrating his versatility. I don't think I like this sound. It sounds a bit silly and a bit cheeky. I, mean, I think the song's supposed to be a bit more serious. Even in the next bit, where there's this nur guitar sound and then a gap between those nur There's this ride symbol that sort of counts the time and again I feel this is a bit lightweight for what should be a more intense song I think there are several more options that Nico McBrain could have used instead of sort of tapping out the boot on a ride symbol he could have been a bit more creative and here are some examples of things that he could have done This guitar chord sequence I mentioned in Total Eclipse, so it's quite similar to something they've already used. 
However, because Total Eclipse was a B-side, it may not have been as well known to fans, so they may have thought this was quite fresh and new. Obviously, there are only so many chords anyway, and there are standard chord sequences that a lot of bands use, so I'm not being naughty in suggesting that they've just recycled an old chord sequence that they've used, because they're fully entitled to do this. This is the first song written by Bruce Dickinson, so it's quite important. We can see what his lyrics are like compared to Adrian Smith's and Steve Harris's. The first verse is quite disappointing because he just copied it from a hymn. It's a hymn written by J.K. Chesterton and it starts, O God of Earth and Altar. This hymn was in my school hymn book and it was hymn number 37. I remember seeing it in assembly and getting excited, but they never played it. They always chose All Things Bright and Beautiful or I am the lord of the dance settee. I didn't like singing about the birds and the mountains and settees. I didn't want to sing about that in assembly. I wanted to sing Revelations by Iron Maiden, even though it was only the first verse that Bruce Dickinson used in the song. As he sings this first verse, there are gaps again where the vocal sits. And we've seen this in Hallowed Be Thy Name. And again, they use this on Infinite Dreams. So once again, it's a trick they recycle to give that trademark Iron Maiden feel. After this almost raucous bit from a guitar point of view, we get this sort of delicate sound when he says, and take away our pride. It leads into this new bit, and it's quite unusual. It sounds like the sort of music you'd play while skipping in a field. Living in Birmingham, I didn't skip through many fields, maybe only on school trips to farms. I like the idea of this song being in the background, if I ever should do this. It might be a nice activity to have done with Fiona Gregory. Perhaps she's skipping in a field right now. After more of these, what I'll call, gappy rough sections, there's this nice sort of rumbling solo where there's a twin lead guitar. And this sequence comes back in later, when Bruce says go to lead it in. And then of course, there isn't the twin lead guitar section, but it actually goes into a solo. So there's a lot of mirroring of parts in this song. It's quite a complex one. We've seen this in songs like Phantom of the Opera and Hallowed Be Thy Name. So once again, I could describe it as progly, which is short for progressive rock. This often means that there's complex changes in tempo and sound. But I think in Revelations, there's more of a contrast between the light and the heavy sections. And in fact, some of the light sections remind me a bit of Prodigal Son. There's a verse within one of those delicate sections where Bruce sings... Just a babe in a black abyss. I had to look up abyss in the dictionary. And it says, an immeasurably deep chasm or void. Now I imagined it to be like some sort of bed for a baby when I was a boy. But obviously this isn't the case. And in line with the rest of the song, I can see that the babe in this case is somebody who's quite innocent or finding their way in the world. And and the black abyss is the futility of the world, sort of surrounded by a nothingness. So it's quite a dark theme. He even says there's no reason for a place like this, as if questioning the world around him. I think if I'd known Bruce Dickinson at the time, and I saw these lyrics that he'd written, I might have put my arm around him and given him a pep talk. In the heavier section, he starts talking about the light of the blind, and then, despite the blind bit, it's, he mentions eyes quite a lot. He says the eyes of the Nile and the eye of the sun. Now, as a boy... I used to draw landscapes at school 
and, and other people did this. And everyone seemed to give the sun a face when they drew the sun in the sky. And this was accepted. But hearing this song, I thought that perhaps rivers could have eyes as well, because they mentioned the eye of the Nile. So when I put a face on the river on my scene, everyone laughed at it and mocked me. But I, I, just, I was just copying Iron Maiden. I see now that the eye of a river is its life source. So actually, I'd go back to my school now and show the doubters that I was right. I'd love to do this. I was advised recently by somebody I speak to on a regular basis to write a letter to my seven-year-old self as a mechanism for healing. Some celebrities do this and people like it. They get retweets and things. So I did. I wrote a letter to my seven-year-old self where I mentioned things like biscuits, strength in adversity, and that eventually I'd be proved right and, and achieve things. I didn't post it though. Maybe I should have given it to Paul Diano to deliver. As I've said, Bruce Dickinson mentions the eyes of the Nile, and the Nile is a river in Egypt. And that's a hint of things to come perhaps, because of course it was Bruce Dickinson who wrote Power Slave, which is very Egyptian in its theme. Maybe he wanted to go there on holiday. I've also mentioned the line with Eye of the Sun in it, and Bruce sings this as the eye of the sun rose on her lips. It's quite a nice image, and he sings it in a very romantic fashion. He prolongs the word rose. A moment later, he says, Moonlight catches silver tears that I cry. And actually, here, it's quite raspy. And this, this rasp was mocked later in their career. People went off it a bit when, when it maybe sounded like other singers of the time, like Axl Rose and Bon John Jovi. I've mentioned before, especially with the first album and its production, that I quite like hearing the flaws. So to me, any sort of issue with the vocal adds to the emotion to me. And later on, he says, and I watched and I waited for the dawn. But halfway through that line, he catches his breath. He says, and I watched <gasps> and I waited for the dawn. I think nowadays they'd have edited that out to sort of show perfection. And I'm glad that they didn't because it would ruin the song a bit. Although maybe if I didn't know it was there, it wouldn't make a difference. But in the digital age and the way that things are recorded now, they'd probably just say, can you do that again, please? And drop him in on that section. However, Martin Birch was the producer. I'm sure he would have thought of this and maybe thought, actually, I like that breath coming in. It sort of shows his passion in the delivery that he's, he's sort of getting breathless. And I think that shows the importance of Martin Birch, the producer. Now it's time for Dave Murray Fact of the Week. The surname Murray is used in Cockney rhyming slang for curry. So if someone says, I'd like a ruby Murray, or just, I'd like a ruby, they mean they want a curry. Despite this, Dave Murray doesn't like curries. And when the band order from an Indian takeaway or restaurant, he just has a chicken korma, so it's a bit milder and creamier. But nobody mocks him for this choice, which is nice. So I hope you enjoyed Dave Morey Fact of the Week. As I said, the sections sort of seem to be quite sporadic. There's no real symmetry to it. And it's like a chaotic musical journey, which I think reflects the lyrics. There's a lot of contrast in light and shade in the vocals as well. So we had the hymn at the beginning, which I mentioned. But we've also got some sort of occult references and other symbols from other religions. I've read that Bruce Dickinson 
was influenced a bit by Alistair Crowley, who wrote about things like the occult and witchcraft. There are similar references in the song Moonchild that will come on the seventh son of the seventh son album. I can't say I know much about witchcraft and the occult, but I think there's so many different symbols within the song. It's quite ambiguous and and quite obscure, maybe. And it reminds me a bit of the poetry of, of Trevor. And now it's time for... Steve Harris's Diary Steve Harris's Diary Steve Harris's Diary Steve Harris's Diary February 1983 I only got one Valentine's card Dave got the most, he got six I reckon one was off his nan though Don't know if that counts Oh, I've really been enjoying writing with this new band, this new lineup. Really changed things. Been having a great time. There's loads of ideas flying about. Well, we had quite a serious meeting the other day, though. We were advised about tax and uh, told to invest some money in properties. It's nice to have some spare cash after all the hard work we've done. I might get myself some new trousers. I know some people comment about me always wearing those stripy ones, so... Yeah, it might be nice if I can put those comments to bed. Talking of money and property... We had a band bonding session the other night. Oh, we had a game of Monopoly. It was a right laugh. Nico wanted to be the car rather than the dog, which I thought was interesting. Bruce won the game, but I came second in the beauty contest, which was nice. I won ten pounds. We're off to the Bahamas now to record, so it'd be good to get away from this winter weather. I hope they sell seven up there. Otherwise there'll be trouble. Really getting into that lately. Steve Harris's diary Steve Harris's Diary is sponsored by 7up. I think it's quite interesting that two long songs open the album. We've not really had this yet. There's always been a sort of a more instant song to open proceedings or be tracked to. In this case, we've only had Phantom of the Opera and Hallowed Be Thy Name that are longer than Revelations. But if you were to ask people about the epic songs of Iron Maiden, I'm not sure many people would think of Revelations as being one of those long epics. But both this and Where Eagles Dare are over six minutes. So this sort of shows a change in perspective for me for Iron Maiden. They're now looking at longer songs, perhaps. Similarly to Where Eagles Dare, the proportion of singing to music in this song isn't great. There's, again, a lot more instrumental passages. But I think this is all right. Gives Bruce a chance to catch his breath after the earlier issue he had. Revelations is quite a long word for a seven-year-old boy to know about. There's lots of letters in it. In fact, I don't know offhand how many there are. Maybe 12. I'll just count them now. Oh, no, there's 11. Obviously, it's a plural of revelation, which is the act of an instance of revealing something, or something revealed and illuminating So while I may not have used the term revelations in my everyday conversation, I had many revelations as a boy that made me realise things about the world. And I don't just mean about finding out the tooth fairy wasn't real. One revelation was about soft drinks available in pubs. When I used to sit in a beer garden while my mum went into the pub to speak to the men inside, I used to have coke. And that was it. I had coke. That was what I got. However, when I went to a pub with my auntie, and had a meal, and she said, what do you want to drink? And I said, Coke. She said, you know you can have other drinks, don't you? Like apple juice or orange juice. 
And I didn't know this. And this was a revelation. So I ordered apple juice. And from then on, apple tizer became my favourite drink and one I'd order in pubs. I also remember the time that I found out you could get marmalade in other flavours as well as just orange. So I ended up eating a lot of silver shred, which was like a lemon marmalade. And you can also get lime. Some people might have more serious revelations, but these are ones I remember from my childhood. While the song does talk about discovery in some sort of symbolic, spiritual way, I think the song title comes from the Book of Revelations, which is in the Bible. And they've mentioned this on the Number of the Beast album. There's a quote on the back. In fact, that was the quote at the start of the song, The Number of the Beast, which was read by that man who did the voice in Count Ducula. Revelations is the final book in the Bible. And like any season finale, it wraps up everything. But I think a lot of Christian people are disappointed by the outcome. It's probably how a lot of die-hard fans felt at the end of TV shows like Lost and The Game of the Thrones. I'm not going to go into the book of Revelations in detail, but I think there's a lot of disasters in it and sort of like an apocalypse. But this isn't a Bible podcast, so I'm no expert on this. I've mentioned it before when it's relevant. I think I mentioned that Shakespeare wasn't in it. But I'm sure there are podcasts out there if you want to know more about this. Or just use Google. Right, I'm going to ring up Trevor now, see what he's been up to. Hi, Wayne. Hi, Trevor. How are you doing? I'm all right, yeah. I'm having a good time. Good time? Why? What, what, are, you, what are you doing? I'm just having a Netflix and chill moment. What does that mean? It means I'm watching Netflix and, and relaxing. All right. What, what are you watching? Netflix. Yeah, but I mean, what programme are you watching? Oh, uh, Emily in Paris, it's called. And what's that about? It's about this girl called Emily, and uh, she's in Paris. Well, I gathered that from the title. What, what sort of show is it? Well, it's probably like a light-hearted comedy. It's a bit of, just an enjoyable romp, not nothing too strenuous and serious. But I like it because she's in France, and it reminds me of when I was in France. The fashion. The smells. Okay, well, that's, that's good then. So, uh, do you recommend it? No, I probably wouldn't recommend it. Not on an Iron Maiden podcast. But maybe they should write a, a TV show called Trevor in Birmingham. What would that be about? Uh, probably just me. Okay, well, anyway, uh, we're talking about Revelations, um, which is a good song. Um, I've just mentioned some revelations that I've experienced in my life. Um, are there any you can think of? Maybe revelations or discoveries that have changed how you see things? I can't think of too many offhand. Uh, I remember when Dennis Stratton said that you can put potato waffles in a toaster. That was a revelation. I suppose, yeah. I suppose that was a revelation to some people. Uh, it doesn't affect me. I don't like potato waffles. Why not? Well, I just don't like them. I think they're a bit artificial tasting. I don't think I need to sort of explain that on a podcast, do I? We might lose out on sponsorship. We might get Captain Birdseye on the phone. Captain Birdseye isn't real. Isn't he? No. Okay. So anyway, the song Revelations, uh, forget about actual revelations. What do you think about the song? Yeah, I like it. I think it might be better live. I think Steve Harris said that, didn't he? You've probably already covered this, Wayne. No, no, I haven't, actually. Yeah, well, I think the changes and the fan interaction, they're sort of cheering, don't they, during the gaps. I like that. And also, I like the lyrics. I think this is the most poetic yet. 
And I got quite excited when I saw Bruce Dickinson's lyrics. I thought that he might go on and do great things. Well, some would say he did. Yeah, but this was a really good start. And then I think his next song was Die With Your Boots On, which maybe wasn't as serious. I think it was serious, but we'll find that out in two episodes' time. Anyway, it reminds me a bit of one of my favourite poems, called The Wasteland by T.S. Eliot. Do you know that one? No, I don't. Well, that's full of strange references and things you have to look up. And it's quite good. It's got, like, poetic references from down the ages, and they're called Allusions. OK. Yeah, this poem is about urban decay and the fool's journey, and there's a bit of tarot card references in it as well, just like in Revelations. This fool's journey is like a reference to sin, which we've already seen, haven't we, in Purgatory, and we see again on the Seventh Sun album. So this clever path for the fools, that's a sin, and they think it's clever, but they're just fools. And we can see this across literature, from Dr Faustus to Dorian Gray, Wayne? Yeah, I'm listening. Uh, Okay, yep. And I think that this is referring to us, because we're the fools, like in the tarot card at the start of our journey, and we encounter the hanged man, um, and that that symbolises sacrifice. And by encountering it, our world's been turned upside down, like the hanged man. And I don't know if this is good or bad. Have we sacrificed life for enlightenment? Uh... I think the song's spiritual, but not religious. There's that quest to be better. We can be enlightened, but can we ever fully be enlightened? Uh, What? Well, every time I learn something, there's something else to find out, isn't there? It's like on Netflix. You think you've got nothing left to watch, and then something new appears. I'm not sure I'm quite following this. It's like one of your poems. Yeah. Well, anyway... I've done a poem that I think is a bit more poetic this week because I realise I've had a bit of negative feedback. And also, I wanted it to reflect the style within Revelations. Okay, well, let's hear it then. Let us dance away from these scenes of crowded streets and wanton laughter to a world of depth and magic those blurred faces cannot understand. But let me show you the way These sounds that once seemed so vulgar, as wretched as a harlot's tears, are now sweet revelations to your ears. Uh, Okay, well, sounding more poetic than some of the things I've heard from you. Um, Although, again, I've mentioned before, I like to see things written down. It's hard for me to follow some of this. Well, it's, it's about Iron Maiden being a revelation to me, and the scenes of crowded streets and laughter, that's the mainstream pop chart, and I've been taken to a world of depth and magic, and and this music is now the sweet revelation. So that's me guiding someone away from bands like Little Mix and the Dizzy Rascals, and saying, come and listen to Iron Maiden, and we can share this revelation and an enlightenment. It's about how Iron Maiden has created a bond for everybody. Have you been taking drugs? No. Okay, well, thank you for the poem. Um, Next week we've got Flight of Icarus, so more references to sin, the pride and the fall, so no doubt hopefully we'll have something poetic from you. Okay, thanks, Wayne. Bye. I think Trevor's right. I think it was better live and sort of get that crowd energy behind it. Um, Maybe it doesn't quite jump out of the record in the same way.
Okay, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Wayne Maiden. I'm also on Facebook and I've got a Ko-Fi page. So by all means, follow me on social media and uh, get involved, have a chat, comment, like things, um, or just, just look at things. You don't have to interact if you don't want to, but it's all there if you need it. I asked on Twitter the other day if anyone had any revelations from childhood that they might have wanted to share. And sadly, I didn't get much response. I think people are quite shy. Maybe they didn't want to embarrass themselves. Or maybe the tweet came out too late in that it was only a day or two before the episode's due out. So I'm a bit disappointed with the social media team and I'll be having a word with them. Recently, I asked them to tweet a picture of Rainbow, the heavy metal band, as a sort of reference to similar artists. And they tweeted with a picture of Rainbow, the television programme for children from the 1980s. And it made my podcast look a bit silly. Luckily, no one really commented on it, and there was a few nice memories about the show. However, this is another example of the social media team messing about or getting things wrong, and this isn't good enough, so I apologise for this if you've been affected by my social media posts. Anyway, I did get some revelations from people, so I'll read them now. I had a message from Martin Chuzzlewit, who regular listeners will remember that has commented quite a few times on the shows, and he says, when he was a boy, he found out that there was a book called Martin Chuzzlewit by Charles Dickens. So actually, he had the same name as a book. And this was a revelation. I've also had a message from Mark Harvey, who's quite disappointed that I came up with revelations about Marmalade, when in fact, I should have mentioned the revelations that Paul Diano had given me about the existence of time travel. I suppose this is a good point, but I was referring to revelations from childhood not ones that I've experienced in the last six months. So thank you very much for your comments and opinions and likes and retweets. It makes me know there's someone out there listening to me, which is very important. That's why I do this podcast. So thank you for your support. And uh, next week I'll be looking at Flight of Icarus. So that's the first single from the Peace of Mind album. So that'll be fun. So look forward to speaking to you then. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.